Hi there. Welcome to the Living Authentically podcast, where we talk about living an authentic and meaningful, spiritually-based life. I'm John Sadiq, and it's wonderful to connect with you. This podcast doesn't have any set formula, so you'll get to hear interviews, reflections, talks, and sometimes even just music. But it's all with the heartful basis of supporting and inspiring you to realise the highest truth within yourself. If you wish to know more about the work we do, head over to www.authenticliving.life. John. In this episode, I'm chatting with my friend Tom Evans. Tom is a meditation teacher, author, and former engineer. Our talk goes all over the place, but we do manage to talk about everything from his spiritual journey and how his books and teachings write themselves through him. We also talk about how time is not what it appears to be, especially within meditation. So grab a cup of something delicious and join us. Hey there, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to speak to you again. It's lovely to be back with you. Absolutely. Seems like a long time, though. It does. Uh, well, we I think we tried a few times, didn't we, to kind of get something in, and then we got into the holiday period, and uh, uh, things just kind of... Uh, well, things take their own time, don't they? But uh, it, just, it does actually just feel like we're just going to continue, really, from last time, because... Things were just ticking along merrily, but this time, of course, we're turning the table. So you're over on my podcast, which is uh, lovely to have you here, virtually, at least. And a great honour. Thank you. Oh, bless you. And uh, I hope you've got a cup of tea and things. And I thought we could just sort of chat a little bit kind of about your spiritual journey, because you were saying uh, when we were having a chat about how you'd kind of come to be a teacher kind of um, accidentally in a way. And uh, and so I'll, I'll pick up on on the teacher side later on. But I wonder if you could kind of give us a little potted tour of uh, your own journey towards the sacred dimension of your life. Wow, well, that sounds a very grand uh, title. Uh, yeah, I guess what happened. I was I was in my mid forties and I just exited my second business. I was pretty stressed, and someone said you should do this thing called meditation. And I, my first reaction was, don't be silly, I haven't got time to meditate, can't make my active mind go quiet. But um, I persisted, and um, and then I noticed that on days that I meditated, I seemed to have a better day, and on days when I didn't meditate, I had a worse day. So I started to research the whole sort of neurology, psychology, spirituality of it all, I guess at first through books, and then I... Um, I came across two schools of esoteric teaching. One was uh, a Western mystery school based out of California, um, uh, which was focused on the tarot and Kabbalah, that kind of thing. Um, but I found that was a bit one-dimensional in some regards. So I also found a school in Germany called the Cryon School, uh, which is more of an angelic kind of school. And one, I guess, teaches female magic, the angelic school, and the other teaches uh, male magic or... Mm. Based magic, the Western Mystery School. I guess I, I became a hybrid of those two, those two schools, both correspondence schools. I've never met any of the people behind them, 
Um, and and, and it, it led to a bit of an awakening, really, which um, and my expression of that awakening was to start writing about it, to start writing books to explain what had happened. And what did happen? What was the awakening like for you? Well, I think uh, some practical things. First is I became even more creative than I was before the awakening. I became more productive. Um, I started to um, do what people would, what I, what I learned was called channeling. And I used to think channeling was like um, something mediums that would do, you know, speaking to the dear departed. But for me, channeling is is getting uh, wisdom and knowledge and, and that kind of thing coming through you that you yeah. might not necessarily know about. Yeah. You know, I so call you it downloading. It. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that's it. So, and actually... Uh, my my personal theory is that we download uh, aspects of either the collective consciousness, which is our our joined co-joined uh, consciousness, or specifically, you can even uh, channel your future self, and that can be right quite interesting when you want to write a book. Because I what I do is I imagine that I'm channeling my future self, who knows the words I haven't written yet, and whether it's imagination, active ag- imagination, or whatever, but it seems to work. It mm. seems to work. So, so basically, I guess my 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 journey was uh, finding out about other techniques, uh, opening techniques, and then as an engineer, because that's my, my that's my previous life. Saying, well, how do we use these techniques for real world benefit? So that's been the, the journey. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Can I just uh, just going back to the um, the channeling or the downloading? You know, what would you say that the difference is? Because this is something uh, that kind of crops up occasionally, actually, uh, when when I'm talking to people the difference between when you try to do something. So say you, you decided that you were going to write a book, right? Or, uh, or it starts coming through you. Can, you know, what's the difference in, in kind of texture of those two things? Well, a, a good example would be my very first book, um, which actually started to channel stroke download on a 747 at 39,000 feet in the middle of the Atlantic. I was, uh, my wife had had a bad back and I treated her to a, uh, for a 40th birthday to a trip on Concord, but um, she couldn't go on that trip. Uh, oh, no. And then, then Concord had that horrible accident in Paris and they grounded it. So we had this Concord fund. And so we treated ourselves to a first class um, pair of tickets going to um, the Caribbean. And we sat in the, in the first class lounge in in, in the, the the front of the plane and this book started to come in and i had no i had no idea i didn't i didn't plan to write a book on the on the trip it just started to pop in and uh, it was almost like um it was a gift to me and uh, the book was it's about it's, it's written in poetry um and it's about a woman that lives to 100 and i wrote it as sort of 33 snapshots of her life going through uh, you know from from naught through to 100 and then when i got to the other end i read it out to my wife and she said why don't you play it backwards and then i i reversed the order in my word processor and it's so sublime backwards so there's no way consciously you could write that book mm. knowing that it's going to be played backwards and be so good and then that that opened up my whole career as an author so it's almost like um uh, I, I it, it's whoever's pulling the strings wanting me to become this this channel this author whatever gifted me this book that uh, taught me the whole um, it taught me that the the if you like the the, the production process for going from uh, a rough draft into a physical book and into an ebook and audiobook and all that kind of stuff so I learned all of those techniques with this book 
and then uh, 16 books later here i am so but I, I wouldn't have got to 16 books had it not been that book being gifted to me at thirty-nine thousand feet wow that's just amazing mm. and as, and as every book has all 16 been gifted to you yeah, and some more than others, actually. Um, one one was a weird one. Um, it's called This We Know, because I I'd really wasn't planning to write a book. It was I, I was getting, I was going on holiday, funny enough. I was driving <laughs> down to Devon, and I had this message from another medium who said uh, she sent me a, a poem, and she said, I've just had it downloaded, Tom. I get these every so often. A medium gets in touch with me who I sort of half know or don't know and say, I've just been given a message for you. Can I send it to you? And this poem was called The Secret Man. I'll share share the link with you um, if you like. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. and, and I did a little video for it and stuff like that for her. So uh, so um, it's, it's a lovely poem. And the next day I started, uh, it was a two-week holiday. I rarely take a two-week holiday in England, but it's so good. Um, and I was sitting there, uh, it was 3rd, 3rd of September, and then this idea of a book came in. And I, I, what I did was every morning on holiday I meditated, and then I wrote a 500-word chapter. So it's only like a 12,000-word book. But I started it on the 3rd of September, and I had the printed copy of the book in my hand on the 17th of September. Good God. So two two weeks from <laughs> the download to physical, physical printed book in your hand. It's called This We Know. And it's, 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 it's also my transition from kind of writing workbooks in you know workshop manual type things where there'd yeah. be a chapter then some exercises chapters then exercises and it was like pure philosophy and me just going off on one thinking this is the way that tom sees the world or whatever but obviously uh, you know i didn't plan to write the book didn't run to plan to publish it it just popped in and i just became the vehicle for it wow well you beat me on speed my last uh, published book uh <laughs> took uh, 11 years and um <laughs> Uh, the one I'm, I'm working on one at the moment uh, for, well, we don't know yet, but uh, uh, there's, there's a possible possibility of an invite uh, for, a, you know, a mind, body and spirit publisher. And uh, they're going to look at a few chapters from me. So I'm working on that at the moment. But that'll be much, much quicker. And uh, but the creative stuff took me a long time. I actually I actually had to learn to write the book by writing other books. So it was a very different way of coming at it. I had to write um, a series of other books. Uh, in order to skill myself up to do what I wanted to do, which was to be transparent, which is kind of, you know, a very strong part of my own kind of spiritual practice, as it were. So mm. just just going back then. So what age were you then, this awakening and the first book? So 45 was when I started meditating. I'm right. 61 now. I've pretty much written a book uh, a year since then. I think that book was written in 2012. It was 2012. Do you feel like your practice has, has, has changed or morphed? Because one, one thing that I've noticed with sort of my, I never know what to call it, but because uh, uh, I, I, as people can listen back to, the, to, to your podcast with, with myself, I started having kind of uh, sort of experiences when I was very, very young and they continued right the way through life. But then uh, at a certain point, uh, there was like the major shift of consciousness, perhaps, uh, or, you know, I never know what to call it because people think you're, you're claiming something or setting yourself up in some way, uh, whereas actually it's the normal thing uh, and everything else isn't normal <laughs> in a way. You're kind of breaking through into normality and um, uh, rather than kind of looking through the conditioned mind. But one thing that's been a real sort of discovery for me as I've gone on is that the awakening continues 
that it that it goes into more and more areas of of one's life so that you really kind of are yourself and i just wondered how that has been for you kind of thing that, that kind of process of of change over these 16 years or so oh, i think you're right yeah and um, part of it is a realization isn't it so um one is i agree with you there's an infinite level of of, of awakening yeah, so absolutely. if you say if you say i'm awakened you've lost it at that point because you have yeah. you if, said, if you right, think you're a there, done deal that's it. that's it that's it absolutely exactly. so that's the last thing you do and uh and but yeah i went on before i did those uh, correspondence courses with the crying school and with the builders of the aditum out in california i went on a on a how to be psychic course <laughs> and um for one and, and it literally was a, an exploration i just wanted to have a bit of fun and say you know what's all this all about and halfway through the course, I went, hang on, what this person that's teaching this course is describing, I've been like that all my life already. But I, I because you don't know what anyone else's experience is no, like. No, that's right. Um, it, it, um, but now it's got a name. And then, ah, and now I've got a few techniques to deepen it. And that was the main thing. Okay, so if you then deepened it once, how can you deepen it again? Yeah. And what I found out uh, most recently is all you need to do to get the next level or the next inkling or the next uh, nugget of, of wisdom is to ask the question. Mm. And then this is where meditation is, you know, it's, I don't call meditation a practice as much as a technique and a, and a tool. It's a technology for the mind, if you like. Um, you, you, you can use meditation or I've got a couple of dogs, so I go out dog walking. I also dream. And, and so you, you ask the question and you get the answer. So if you don't know what something's like, or you can even ask an open question like, uh, um, what would the next level of awakening that is perfect for me right now and safe for me right now be? And then it arrives. Yeah, I think you, you have to kind of make the space for the next step, don't you? You have to be in the step that you're in and allow the next step to occur rather than... But, there's not trying to kind of figure it out in your head before you get there. That's the bit. It's kind of like there's a vulnerability to it, don't you think? Yeah, and and take your head out of the loop, you know, because yeah. we can be our, our head can be our, our worst enemy because uh, you can think you know the answer, or you can, you know, I thought I thought at one point I thought, okay, I'm going to be an author, and then what happened was um, people would approach me after I wrote that first book, the book of poetry called A Hundred Years of Ermintrude. Um, people would approach me and said, uh, oh, can you help me write a book? I thought, how wonderful this is, mm. a new career. You know, I've been in IT and in high tech for years, a new career, and I can then fund my own route as an author by being an author's mentor. So I went and learned some NLP and some past life regression and some hypnotherapy, and, and I thought, oh, those tools are wonderful to be an author's mentor, and that will be me for the rest of my days. And then, uh, then all of a sudden, because uh, I, I used to – with my books, I didn't just want people to read about the altered states I was describing. I thought, wouldn't it be nice if you can actually experience it? So I started putting some meditations with the with the books as freebies, and uh, and then then like you, I I discovered the app Insight Timer, or more specifically, they they discovered me, and all of a sudden, this author who morphed into a an author's mentor morphed into a meditation teacher, hmm. having never been. I don't. I'll be honest with you, having never been on a meditation class or, or or training to be a teacher or whatever the only thing i did was i learned hypnotic language uh, when i went on my hypnotherapy training and i learned state management when i went on my past life regression training i had to to get out of the now and jump into different uh, different times and different time zones and uh, and and all everything i've done since then has just been an application of those 
learnings really, but but in the in the context of storytelling. Yeah, that's which is incredible because it's such a different approach that that I would take with uh, with guiding a meditation. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's you know it's it's not that there's a right way. I think different people at different times in our lives, uh, w- you know, the different voices can speak to us, as it were. So. Um, mm. Yeah, so so uh, you know, it, it it sounds strange and fascinating to me to kind of come at it in this way because it's so different. It's just so different. So you never taught a, a regular meditation class, or no, uh, I never went. I never went on the eight week um, mindfulness base, whatever it was. Oh yeah, thingy. I've never yes. done that. Never done any of that stuff. Thought of anything. Yeah. I'm from more esoteric school. So, yeah. uh, in in some respects, and I don't mind being open and honest with you uh, on this call because I think it's important that people know if they were to listen to me, what they're dealing with is is um, you know I'm a, a kind of modern day mystic kind of wizardy guy. You know, not only I'm only claiming those titles because so many of my clients call me that. Say, yeah. well. You've just done this amazing magic with me, and uh, and my retort to that is, well, magic's only magic unless you know how the trick is done. And by the way, can I just explain how it's done? Therefore, you can embrace it and and, right. and use it. So, yeah. so, in some respects, uh, mindfulness meditation is a you know, like it's a it's a very safe container for the work that um, I've ended up doing, especially when I've ended up working inside corporates. Because if I if they said, "Is this nutty wizard coming along?" I wouldn't walk through the door. But if I can say I can teach you this technique and some people call it mindfulness and some people call it meditation. And by the way, it allows you to extend uh, the the amount of time you've got so you can get more done in less time. It allows you to tune into light bulb moments, which could be your next best idea to take your business into a new place. It could allow you to write that report in next to no time uh, or that, that sales manual in next to no time or that book in next to no time. Uh, and these techniques, uh, people might call them mindfulness meditative techniques, other people might call them magic, other might, people might call them mumbo-jumbo. Um, but to me, uh, they're active imagination techniques uh, where you get this head out of the way and uh, amazing stuff comes through you that you didn't know you were capable of. And, and doing the kind of the corporate stuff and the, and the kind of the businessy stuff and also, um, you know, starting to teach on Insight Timer, Mm-hmm. You started thinking about um, a concept called timefulness, uh, which, yeah. you know, when I first came across you doing that, I, you know, I, I love your course. Um, and it's well worth checking out if you're listening to this. So, uh, you. you know, go, go and have a look if you're, if you're, um, if you're listening to this. Um, but you could easily think that timefulness was something to do with time management, couldn't you? You know, <laughs> so can you just say a little bit about what you mean by timefulness or, or reflect a bit on that for us? Well, it is. It's personal time management. Um, and uh, and I love playing with words. That's why I've come up with um, uh, timefulness. I saw someone else had come up with um, kindfulness. And, yeah. you know, that, and I thought timefulness is it. I've also, there's a, there's a great site called the Urban Dictionary where you can upload a pseudo word that hasn't been used before and claim it and give it a definition. And I also uploaded oh, wine. I need, to, I need the link for that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've, got, I've got timefulness on there. I've got flaught, which is a flavor of a thought. Which oh, is a very good. And that was the name of one of my books I wrote uh, uh, ages ago. Um, and I've also got winefulness on there as well. Winefulness. <laughs> so just, winefulness. <laughs> why, not, why not be mindful about drinking wine? Absolutely. Who, who's to say that would be, be a, a good or a bad thing? Anyway, so um, 
Yeah, so what I noticed, uh, this all came back from when I started meditating. I noticed on the days that I was meditating, I had a much better day. And on the days that I didn't, I had a worse day. And and then I came across a book by Armit Goswami, I think, and it had this quote in it by David Bohm, a, a, a quantum physicist, saying that um, if you think about the content of a thought, you lose its direction. And if you think about the direction, you lose its content. And uh, the upshot is that the normal human mind is only capable about having one thought at a time. So if you think about what you're having for supper tonight or what you were doing yesterday or a wedding speech you're preparing for the weekend or something like that, then you lose the focus on the now. And so I realized then that meditation is also the doorway. Mindfulness meditation is the doorway to, to actually being more efficient. Then I discovered loads of stuff in, in fairly standard neurology books about how excuse me, how the, the left and right brain have a different experience of time. And of course, the Greeks knew this. They had these these two gods, the god of of Kronos um, and the god of Kairos. And the Kronos is the, the, the god of the earth and Kairos is the god of the heavens. And there's a great book by a guy called Ian McGilchrist called The Mastery, Master and His Emissary. And uh, he researched left and right brain uh, for years and years and years. And uh, and he uh, treatise is absolutely lovely um, that the left brain sits inside space and time and the right brain sits outside space and time. And when you get into this place called the zone, what's happening is you're getting the left and right brain working on the same thing at the same time. And you go into a state of time called, e- I call it EMT, which is extended me time. Mm-hmm. And in that state, time seems to to um to expand around the time you got available to it that's true and that's how i ended up writing that book in two weeks yeah. it's sort of just, when i was actually in in the zone time goes into this lovely flow state where it disappears linear time disappears yeah yeah i mean i i, I use completely different words but i recognize what you're saying i really do when and like with meditating um you know if one is sitting once you get beyond kind of the, the, the early part of a meditation, I call it the rapids, the bit where kind mm-hmm. of your, your brain is just kind of all over the place and your emotions are a bit, and it takes like 10 minutes or so to settle down. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, not that you can stop your thoughts or anything like that, but just to kind of actually kind of come into yourself a little bit. Uh, and then there is that definite shift where time just seems to open up, you know, and the downloads begin at that point as well, of course, once you kind of yeah. cross the rapids, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a lovely, I did a lovely um, uh, workshop once for ninety trainers and coaches for uh, a county council. And as part of that workshop, I uh, I did some quiet time. I did this meditation. And I said I gave everyone a piece of paper, and I said, right, I, it's now going to go quiet for a time. I didn't tell them how long yeah. it's going to be. And uh, and then I said, write down. And then I, I said, now write down how long that gap of time was. Uh, I don't mind telling you, there's, there's a meditation on insight time called the speed of time, which uh, emulates this. And the time is exactly three minutes, 33 seconds. Uh-huh. And, pe- and I got 90 people and the spread of time was between two and 12 minutes. No way. Absolutely. So every subjective time is something we can tune in and we can use that to our advantage by saying, okay, so for me, I'm now going to make time spread out yeah. uh, around the task that I have in front You're of me. You're going to have to add Time Lord to your um, uh, little list of uh, magician and wizardry. Oh, I've got, I've got a better one than that. You know, in those ages ago when when social networking came about, and everyone said, oh, you must have a moniker and it's memorable and stuff like that. And you all know, my moniker... Are we talking the, the, the age of MySpace? 
yeah, and, yeah. and if and I was at Park Academy, and they'll say, you know, you'd be the you'd be the book wizard or the book or you know the, that sort of stuff. And I used to go to first I used to go to networking meetings, and someone would say, I'm a bookkeeper, and I'd say, well, actually, I'm a book giver, so I'd, I'd have books to come through for people and give books to people. And then um, uh, someone called me the Wizard of Lightball Moments, which I put on my uh, Facebook profile and i've got a fantastic accolade there's a, you can you can google this the 10 strangest job titles on linkedin and some recruitment consultant had a go at these people that had um, strange job titles and wizard of lightball moments came in at number four as the weirdest thing this guy was his point was how do these people expect to get employed with <laughs> a stupid thing and it was like chief biscuit dunker and and something jedi and that sort of stuff and the point being i didn't want a job at that point so i didn't care what people thought about me yeah and then a bit, a bit later on, just to, to follow on from that, someone said, oh, I think you're a temporal alchemist. Ah, uh, very good. Yeah, so yeah. I used that. Temporal I went alchemist. to a networking meeting. You know these, when you get 60 seconds to say what you are? Yeah. And there was uh, there was 20 people in the room, and it came around to me, and I said, well, I'm a temporal alchemist. I can uh, help people change the speed of time so they get more done in less time. And the person that was running the, uh, the whole session said, do you know what? The only person I remember was Tom. It was weird. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. And I think we need to create. We have to have fun with these things because oh, I'm not serious about spirituality or anything like that. I, I like playing with it and having fun and all this sort of stuff. And and I will never call myself anything that a client hasn't called me. And hopefully they're not too rude. But you know what I mean. Yeah, so well, I, 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 I only adopt, rude things. Yeah. <laughs> I only adopt the monikers that people people uh, give me. Yeah. Yeah. No, we really we talked about this last time. We really do have to. Uh, if if you can't take the Mickey out of it, it's not worth doing in the first place. If you can't if you if you can't be light about it, it's just not worth engaging with. Mm. You know, I mean, obviously it's serious, but it's so serious that we have to actually uh, have a great deal of uh, uh, humor along the path. You know, fantastic. What was so what advice would you give to a meditator about um, engaging with time themselves? Well, I think it's really simple. It is that uh, med- see meditation as an investment, and you know, if you want to get more things done with less time, I think there's an old quote: if you're really busy, if you're busy, do um, ten minutes meditation every day. If you're really busy, do sixty minutes every day. Yeah, that's the same so, thing. So, yeah. But you know, I, I would say just you know, five to ten minutes every day of some sort of meditative practice. Now, this isn't putting your headphones on with an app like Insight Timer or Calm or Headspace or something like that. It can be going for a walk. It can be, it can be staring out the window at nature or something like that. It can be um, daydreaming. It can be uh, morning pages. You know, Julie Cameron's just uh, free writing. It can be anything. It can be, it can be washing dishes, ironing, painting, anything like that. Something repetitive that that quietens the mind is meditation in my book. And it's just, and as you know, you would drive, drive somewhere A to B, and you don't know how you got there. You went into a into a light meditative state if you're doing that. So meditation is great because it gives you this quiet mind. And with a quiet mind, you start to notice more things in the day. You become lucky, you become more serendipitous, and, uh, and life's kinder to you. Mm. Fabulous. Well, life being kind to us, you know. Mm. That, is, uh, that, that was actually, you know, going back to... Uh, uh, about 10 minutes ago <laughs> kind of thing we're, we're just doing a bit of time alchemy uh going mm-hmm. back to uh, about 10 minutes ago when we we're talking about kind of uh, one of the sort of things you know when the shift happens um kindness coming into your life is quite a perceptible uh marker for um change on the path isn't it when life actually starts becoming your friend 
Yeah, I wrote a book called, and again, this book just came through me. I wasn't expecting to write it. It's called Mindful, Timeful, and Kindful. Mm. And it's a nice mantra. It's in a few of my meditations on, on Insight Timer. And uh, so the, the, the premise is if you're more, if you become mindful, then it helps you generate more time. And when you've got more time on your hands, you've got more time to be kind. And I was brought up a Roman Catholic, so we were told to do for others first before you do for yourself. But of course, we realize if you're in a plane and it depressurizes, then you've got to get your own mask on first so you can help other people. So in the book, I suggest that you start becoming kinder to yourself first. That gives you more time to be kind to other people. And when you're kind to other people and you do this unconditionally, so if I'm kind to you, John, I don't expect a kindness back from you. I know I, I know, and trust it will come back from another source. You ain't source. getting one anyway, mate. I know. Well, this, this podcast <laughs> is, the ultimate, is the ultimate kindness, isn't it? It's, the, it's reciprocity. So I'm, I'm loving it. But, but you know what I mean? So you, you just be kind you, uh, unconditionally and then the, the world is kind back to you and then it goes full circle and then you end up with more time in your hands and all that sort of stuff because gifts come in that you weren't expecting that save you buckets of time yeah so how do we how do we how do we sort of differentiate between kind of because uh, there, there are I, I see that there's things we kind of need to let go of a little bit in our kind of modern day you know and because uh, mm-hmm. the plane you know, I think we do need to put our oxygen masks on at the moment and um, uh, and kind of, you know, just uh, actually start helping each other out as well a bit because mm-hmm. I think we may have kind of uh, uh, have flown across some interesting zones. And um, so how, how do you make the shift from kind of, kind of being well-intentioned to actually being kind? Well, that's a good question. Uh, from being well-intentioned to actually being kind. Well, yeah, because, is, the, because the two things are completely different, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I can I could say, well, I'm a kind person, and I could put that on my Facebook profile. How do you know? And, uh, How do you know that in yourself? It's, it's, yeah, but I could say that, couldn't yeah, I? And, you could. Uh, I'm, uh, or or I could um, someone else could say it about me, but I might not have done actually anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about action. So have you done a kind action? So so starting with yourself, have you today done something kind? And treated yourself in any way, even if it's having a, I don't know, a digestive biscuit or a cup of tea or something like that. Have you done something kind to yourself? And then when you were out uh, out and about, were you kind to someone else? And that can be, again, as simple as opening the door for somebody, letting someone out on traffic, in traffic or whatever. And then, then there's the then there's the, the kindness to the world. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a good and lovely phrase about there's only one thing you can take with you, and that's your evolution. And there's only one thing you can leave behind. And that is your art. So have you left a legacy or a breadcrumb trail that would benefit um, humanity? And if it benefits humanity, let's not be too species species specific, which is not easy to say. I just found out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Does it benefit uh, all life forms on the planet? Does it benefit the planet? And then if it benefits the planet, does it benefit the cosmos? And so, you know, we we, we each as individuals, we can think in that in that kind of level, really. So, um, yeah, we've been kind to ourselves, we've been kind to someone else. Have we been kind to the planet in some way? Yeah, yeah. I I find that um, the way I can kind of tell inside myself is that there's a kind of a, again, probably I think it comes from, and it's another perhaps indicator of, of getting on with your meditation or something is the kind of the spot because when the shift you know when things start moving a little bit you're less in the conditioned place there's kind of more spontaneity and and kindness and spontaneity seem to go hand in hand you don't think i'm going to go out and be kind today 
you think uh, you don't think you you don't think kindness. Kindness actually comes through you, doesn't it? It's one of the downloads. It's just a, a, a movement. Actually, you know, if somebody falls down in front of you and needs a hand up, you don't think, "Oh, I should help that person." It's just you're already there doing it, aren't you? Yeah, and, and this, this idea of a random act of kindness is really important as well. So you know, you don't think I don't I don't have I don't run a kindness log every day, uh, or I don't even think about that was a kind thing to do. It's just a natural reaction. Uh, to the space you find yourself in as you say yeah yeah i want to move the time dial again now on our time machine and um and kind of bring us into the present in the near future tom uh so i'm i'm, I'm dialing my time machine and you, you you're working on something called soul waves and um uh i don't think it's out yet is it no, I'm, uh, as of today, I um, had some house guests last week, so Soul Waves didn't move forward. Uh, but then there are some kindnesses that need to be done, which I did in buckets last week. So, and today I recorded another five chapters of the audiobook. It's a hundred chapter book. It's the biggest thing I've ever written. I started writing it before that book, A Hundred Years of Ermintrude. And I've got a feeling is that uh, them upstairs said, if, if we're going to wait for this book, Tom's never going to become an author. So let's just give him a short book to get him onto the road. And Soul Waves, um, it's a novel. Um, it's working, working at nearly 100,000 words, some 32 chapters into recording the audiobook version, which is the best way by far to proofreading a book it you really find is it. yeah yeah it's amazing and you, and you get an audiobook version out of it as well so it's going to come out um this autumn probably october november uh started writing it 15 books ago 15 years ago <laughs> would you believe and like you i became yeah. a better writer and now yeah. i feel confident to get it out there so yeah. and, it, and it's kind of um it's it's a channeled future history so it starts in 2059 and uh, it sort of rocks on from there and uh, goes backwards and forwards in time as well. And it's got all the things in it that I are too bonkers to put in any of my non-fiction books. So I'm just having fun with it. It's been just a joy to to write. And as it become a real joy to narrate as well. It's lovely because I wrote some of it um, maybe two, three years ago. So I'm just reminding myself what I wrote then as, I, as I'm reading it out. And then you create a nice distance between yourself as a as a reader, actually, and, and, and as the author saying, oh, that's clever. I quite like that one. That was a, I'm glad I thought of that. And, yeah. uh, and, and I'm realizing that some of the things I wrote two years ago, I need to back reference them in some future chapters. So I'm updating the document as I go along. So it becomes richer, more multi uh, themed and strung, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the book will teach you how to write it, won't it? Especially the, the re when you start reading it out, it kind of uh, goes right back. And because um, I, I, I sometimes work with the Royal Literary Fund and, um, uh, and also just kind of with my own books. And uh, the, the thing about reading out loud is, is absolutely incredible. So we don't force the music of it, but we, we allow the music of the book to kind of replay back into us. The spaces and things in, us, in it will kind of, uh, you know, really show us where, where we're supposed to go with it. it kind of, the bo books can write themselves in a way or, or teach us how to write them as we do it. They can, and I'm a great believer in if you can't, if I can't say something out loud in three takes, then someone won't be able to read it in loud either. So even if it's grammatically 
correct. I rewrite the sentence so it's one easier for me to say and then uh, hopefully easier for people to read. Same context, same same semantics, same meaning and everything and same content, but sometimes you have to rewrite it. I mean, as I just said to you before, I said species-specific. You know, sometimes if you uh, try and say that really quick, it, it might not uh, it might not work. I'm Although I do, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a great I'm a great fan of an alliteration. Yeah, absolutely. But I ain't going to. But so what are soul waves? Okay, so you know the dark energy and the dark matter that the scientists can't find. Okay. Soul waves are it. So uh, um, the premise of the book is that soul waves join us together. So we're connected by soul waves. Um, uh, they, uh, the planets are connected to stars with soul waves. Moons are connected to planets with soul waves. Stars are connected to other stars with soul waves. And that forms galaxies. And galaxies are, are connected to other galaxies by soul waves. They're the missing dark energy and dark matter the scientists can't find. And um, the universe is built on them. It's hardwired. It's the fabric of the universe. Uh, soul waves travel faster than time. So uh, if, I, if I think of something now, it goes back in time to uh, me in the past. So I can send myself messages back in time instantaneously, faster than light. You can send messages to soul parts of yours on other planets in other star systems and that kind of thing. And obviously all conjecture, all made up and all fictional. But um, it's just, it, if you like, they are... They are the thing that joins us together and they explain a lot of things that happen when you when you fall in love with somebody. This 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 force that brings you together and keeps you together is the, the soul waves that largely emanate from your heart center, by the way, intertwining. Uh, and so the book plays with that. It's, there's got lots of love story in it. It's got teleporting dolphins in homage to Douglas Adams and <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide. I've even got a, a, a spaceship called the Heart of Gold. And my Love hero. I know my my hero, but I've, but I've contextualised it. Why it's called a, a heart of gold, and my hero is called Shen, which I found is is a Chinese chap, and um, he's I found out Shen in um, in Chinese means deep thought, which is ah, of course, course a computer. Yeah. So there's loads of Douglas Adams homage in there. It's not as funny as him, but uh, uh, you know I loved all that Hitchhiker's Guide, and I'm also a great fan of Kurt Vonnegut as well. So there's oh, a wow. bit. Yeah. Some curtisms in yeah. there as well. Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut's is... astonishing. I actually just got the Blu-ray of uh, the TV series of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was my birthday oh, a few Fantastic. weeks ago, and uh, I've just finished re-watching it just uh, a few days ago, and uh, uh -huh. it's just glorious. Just Isn't glorious. it just? Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah, and I met, I met Douglas Adams once at an Apple convention, so uh, amazing man. Wow, he really was. He really yeah. was. And uh, he worked as a builder, didn't he, and, and kind of did all sorts of things. He was a tea t-boy at the bbc and things and yeah. kind of all while kind of turning things out for doctor who and then it kind of eventually sort of the writing side took over but yeah absolutely brilliant absolutely but if we go down the hitchhiker's route we won't talk about anything else will we <laughs> <laughs> so i think you have a poem up your sleeve about soul waves don't you yeah, well, I wrote this uh, before I wrote the book, funnily enough, and and it still it, it encapsulates the whole book in one in one go. It describes what soul waves are, and I'm going to put it in the book as well. I've even put it on Insight Timer as a little um, a, a prequel, if you like. It's on available on Insight Timer as a I think it's a one minute meditation, so it doesn't take very long. Uh, and I, I, again, loosely a meditation, I'd call it more a, a story. Shall I give it a go? Go on, give it a go. Well, you know what? This is a real honour, um, John, because I don't do performance poetry. I've never read 
a poem of mine out loud, isn't that? I mean, I've done audiobook versions, but I've never had this honour. So let's see if I can do it some justice. Well, let's step up to that plate, Tom. Let's do it. So, Soul Waves, a poem on entanglement. Souls touch, souls move, souls love, touching souls. Waves roll, waves break, waves swell, rolling waves. From a single point, beginning and ending, massless, chargeless, gravity unbending. Across countless eons, full of insight, traveling the field, faster than light. Karmically formed, purpose unspoken, once attached, cannot be broken. Across infinite voids, connecting heart to heart, once they join, will never part. Universal glue and waves of love, what lies, be- what lies below, tied to above. Outside space, inside time, entangled for reasons, balanced in rhyme. There we go. Fantastic. And I love the spaces in it. I love the, uh, uh, you know, as you, as you kind of let yourself kind of get into it there, uh, you could actually just feel the, the, the time factor opening up, you know, what we were just talking about, about time shifting. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's interesting, isn't it? As you relaxed into it, because you're like, I've never read a poem out like this before. You, it was a little tightness, you know, as there would be. And then as you, as the, as the kind of the, you trusted the words that were there with you and they started coming through you rather than being just spoken, the time opened up, the organic quality opened up. That mm. was remarkable. And I guess I, I see the whole soul waves conjecture a bit like um, Einstein. You know, he started it, all his stuff by saying, well, what's it like if we imagine we're riding on a beam of light? And then relativity came about, the quantum physics came from that. And so all I'm postulating here is that there might be a force, an invisible force that connects us all and explains a lot of stuff. Now, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a physicist. Um, and so I'm just saying there might be this thing. The yeah. universe might be completely conscious. I'm not the first person to postulate that at all. And it's not a cold, lifeless place. It's a place built on love. Um, and, and stars love to hang out with planets and other stars and everything. And if they didn't, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. So it's that conjecture, if you like. And um, and, and the, the, the poem kind of describes the, the nature of a soul wave. Yeah, you know, I've always thought that... Um... I, I, that uh, the reason that they're not going to find the dark matter or uh, that particle, uh, even though at some point they, they will claim that they found something and then somebody will give it their name and, well, that's that done. It exists, therefore. We could get into Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy now. You exist, mm-hmm. therefore you don't. And O says God and he disappears in a puff of logic. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, But, you know... We have this false division between uh, science and the sacred, uh, whereas, you know, my own kind of uh, lineage, as it were, is a, I don't want to say Eastern, but a more um, esoteric or kind of uh, older uh, system, uh, although it's not a system at all. It's just being alive in this moment and, and awareness. Um, and uh, uh, And yet... You know, yoga, for example, true yoga, uh, I don't mean ex- just exercise yoga, but the eight limbs of yoga, um, 
were, you know, for 15, 20,000 years have been considered a science, as had, as is the kind of like the Taoist sort of thought, you know, out, out of um, uh, Taoism, you know, thousands of years ago, or what became Taoism. You know, we ended up with Chinese medicine and martial arts and acupuncture and the meridian system and, you know, uh, Zen, uh, Chan meditation and then Zen when Buddhism met it. And um, so it's, you know, we could actually take a kind of, as you and I, I think, have both done uh, a scientific approach not to um, kind of throw things. Well, yes, getting rid of what's not real in a way but also that this is a science, that there is a science of the soul to be had. And um, that, that, that the answer must be out there somewhere is just literally looking in the wrong direction. I think if science was to actually turn within, which I think with quantum and quantum mechanics and things is starting to come this way more, but it's, it will claim it's discovered all sorts of things that people thousands of years ago going, hello, this is really ordinary stuff. You know, we know this already. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, somebody will have to claim it and win prizes for it and say, you know, this is my new name for it, you know, and things like that, um, which we find an awful lot of in spirituality, which uh, is a great shame. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I always say today's metaphysics is tomorrow's physics anyway, and I, yeah. I've been very fortunate to interview an amazing guy called Amit Goswami on my uh, podcast, and he wrote a book called The Self-Aware Universe and also The Physics of the Soul, both fantastic books to read. Yeah. And uh, um, the first time I spoke to him, I was really nervous, and then the second time I went, you know what, I've got this quant professor of quantum physics on my podcast. I'm going to ask him things that I've always wanted to ask somebody. Absolutely. And he said to me, he said to me, Tom, nobody's ever dared ask me those questions before. I've so enjoyed myself. Thank you for being a child in this in this world, you know. And uh, and some of the great people out there, Rupert Sheldrake, of course. I love his maverick nature and uh, what have you. But uh, and and I think eventually there will be this harmonisation. And all I've done with Soul Waves is to explore it in a in a fictional kind of accessible, fun way. So people that would never pick up that kind of book might just have a look at this and, and enjoy it and then wonder and be in awe with the cosmos uh, for creating us so we can have this amazing time and be doing things like this right now. Fantastic. You know, Tom, I think we'll have to do a, a part three and a part four. <laughs> I was, I've just been out for a walk in the woods and I was thinking, you know, if Tom and I carry on the kind of doing these chats, they, they're going to just keep going and going and going. I, had, I actually had a vision of kind of, and then at some point Andy Hobson will kind of come in and join us and then oh, Gertha will come in and join us. And, and yeah. the, the kind of the, the boys of insight time are kind of just hanging out and chatting sort of thing. And uh, maybe we should actually just do that because it kind of, it kind of popped into my... Uh, consciousness I was, I was in the woods just a couple of hours ago but we do need to wind up for today because we've been going 45 minutes already and uh, mm -hmm. we did think we'd be we did try for shorter but you know where did the time go where did the time go well <laughs> I think you and I can just go basically and um, so I wonder if uh, you would kind of uh, kind of bring us nearer to the end uh, of this podcast uh, for this time uh, with a kind of little bit of meditation because that poem was already leading us in. I realized then I should have just said, mm -hmm. can we just keep going now? So uh, can you just kind of, uh, could, you, could you just take us forward a little bit more or a little bit in, into the, into the, into the soul or into the inner space? Yeah. 
Well, let's let's do that. Let's um let's let's look at where these soul waves mainly emanate from. They um, emanate from every single cell of our body, but the power that the most most powerful generator of them is our heart center, and that's why I said um, universal glue and waves of love. What lies below tied to above, and what ties the above to the below is the the heart center. If you look at the magician card in the tarot, you see him with his one finger pointed up and one finger pointed down infinity sign above his head the four elements at his disposal and the heart is where it comes from so can i just lead people uh, to into a very simple practice to take your consciousness from your head to your heart which is a great place to run it from um so all you do is um you close your eyes and um if, if you're driving don't do this by the way so uh, just maybe skip this bit and uh, and 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 listen to it later but if you close your eyes and if you just take a big in breath and then expel all the stale air from your lungs. And then put your tongue to the roof of your mouth and imagine a point about an inch or so up and two inches back inside your brain. And then from there, just become an observer of your thoughts and just relax your tongue there, relax your jaw, drop your shoulders a little bit. Just become an observer of your thoughts and imagine that you're looking at the back of your eyeballs and as thoughts come in you can ask them who sent them for what purpose if it's a useful thought bring it in it might be the start of a new book might be the seed of a soul wave for you if it's a thought that you don't want right now just say do you mind going back and coming back later or not even coming back at all and then just imagine that you're Consciousness floats down from the center of your brain, your pineal gland, your third eye, the cave of the original spirit, your knowing center, and it drops down to your throat. And what we don't think about is when we speak, what's happening is our third eye, our knowing center, is controlling our speaking center. So when I speak, its thoughts manifest. The word is literally made flesh. And this happened about two million years ago when um, humanoids became self-aware and they started to have internal self-thought. We don't even take this, take it for granted now, we don't even give it a second thought, do we, that when we're speaking, we're, we're vibrating the air in front of us with our thoughts and then someone else can hear those thoughts and then have thoughts based on them. Quite amazing bit of magic. And from the throat centre, you can allow your thoughts, your consciousness to drop down to the heart centre. And the heart center is the next consciousness center that will awaken in humanoids. And from the heart center, we can do amazing things. It's got a ray, it's got a powerful ray that's associated with it. And with your consciousness there now, you can send out unconditional love in many places. Imagine this ray is beaming out from your heart center. It's going back to you in the past. It's going to you in the future. It's going out to the ones that you love right now going out to the ones you're yet to love right now. It's going and go downwards into the earth and send love into the earth. It can go upwards and go back to the collective, to source, and send love back to source. It can go out to the sun, out to the cosmos. And remember in the poem, this field is instantaneous, so it travels faster than the speed of light 
And then here's the thing. If you go quiet, those ripples that you send out come back to you. And when they come back, that's the message, that's the soul wave you need to tune into right now. When you're ready, just bring your consciousness back up from your heart into your throat, into your pineal gland, and, and allow it to flood all of your brain, left and right, top and bottom, front and back. Open your eyes and come back into your room. That was a lovely way to um, round up, Tom. Thank you so much indeed. My great pleasure. And all, and also, again, John, this is a one-off. I've never done that before. No one's ever asked the, the right question. Thank you very much for asking all the right questions at the right time. Could we... Um, I, I, I know it would be easy to find you. People can just type your name into Google, but... Um, where do just to make it easier for people, I'll put all the links kind of in the in the description mm. for the podcast and so on. Uh, where do people find you? Where's the easiest portal to connect with Tom? Thanks, John. It's uh, TomEvans.co, not .com or .co.uk, just .co. I couldn't afford the .com at the time. <laughs> or if you do Insight Timer slash Tom Evans, you'll find me there. I'm posting two new bits of content at least every month there at the moment. Uh, they're the best places to find me. You know what? And you could even type in the Wizard of Lightball Moments or Temporal Alchemist, and you might even find me through that serendipitous route too. Fantastic. Or we can just be checking out our own soul waves and then Tom comes surfing past on one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah which uh, is how I'd like to think of you, actually. So, uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll see you on the, on the next wave. Uh, it's been really wonderful talking to you, Tom. It's been fantastic. As I say, we've been going, you know, if I don't stop, then we won't stop. So, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, bless you so much for your time and, and for, for uh, gracing us with your uh, wonderful thoughts and presence. Deep bow to you, John. Bless you, Tom. Thank you for listening to the Living Authentically podcast. If you'd like to know more about Tom's work, then there are links down below and in the description for this podcast. And if you'd like to know more about my work, head over to www.authenticliving.life where you can sign up for our newsletter and find out about upcoming retreats and so on. And if you'd like to meditate with me, please check out my practices on the website or on the Insight Timer Meditation app. I also share live classes on the meditation.live app. And if you like the music that opened and now is closing this broadcast, it's called Continuum and it's by yours truly himself, and it's on Spotify, Tidal, and all your favourite streaming platforms, as well as things like Apple Music and so on for download. See you next time.